This is Mr. Biz Radio, sponsored by Capital Plus. Over the next half hour, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth, a two-time national best-selling author and leading business advisor, will cover topics that help business owners operate their businesses more profitably and more efficiently. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, this program is for you. And now, here's Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. All right, welcome to another episode of Mr. Biz Radio with me, Mr. Biz Ken Wentworth, and we are brought to you by the good folks at Capital Plus. Capital Plus unlocks your capital and unleashes your business potential. They create customized financial solutions for growing businesses nationwide. All right, now I say this all the time, guys, but I always try to bring you different topics and different uh, covering things from different angles, etc. And I'm really excited about the guests we have this week because we have someone who's going to talk about everyone. You see this all the time. You see articles about about the art of storytelling. And we don't just have anyone to talk about the art of storytelling. So, uh, Mr. Paul Smith, who's who our guest, who is our guest this week, uh, he spent a couple years as a consultant at Accenture, um, twenty plus years, let's just call it, at Procter and Gamble, um, and was a, a director of consumer and communications research. He's one of Inc. Magazine's top one hundred leadership speakers for two thousand eighteen. His work has been featured in The Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, Time, Forbes, and Success Magazine, among others. He has a an MBA from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, and he has a handful of best-selling books. And one of the things, one of the ones we're going to talk about today is his newest book, which is The Ten Stories Great Leaders Tell. And he's actually right here in good old Ohio. Um, didn't even realize that we were talking about before we went on air here that uh, I didn't realize he was actually, he's about eh, an hour and a half, maybe south of, of where we're at here, the studio's at. So uh, with all that, uh, Paul Smith, welcome to the show. Hey, Ken, thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. Yeah, so I'm really anxious to hear about this because, again, you hear this more and more. It becomes seems becoming more and more prevalent about how important it is um, to be a storyteller in all, you know, many, many different aspects of 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 business of uh, you know in your career and and obviously speaking and selling I mean there's just it, it hits so many different things so but tell us before we get into some of that tell us a little bit about your journey I know I'd mentioned some of your background but tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you know you've written all these books about storytelling etc. Yeah, well, I certainly didn't start out to do this, right? I, I, I didn't get out of college and say, I'm, I'm going to become an author. <laughs> it was, uh, like you said, 20-plus years into my career that I, I kind of stumbled into it. Um, you know, my, my earlier career was pretty typical, uh, like you, you'd read off there. And, uh, but along the way, I just got fascinated with this concept of storytelling. Uh, and I think it was just because I, I noticed that the leaders that I admired the most and wanted to work for and you know, wanted to be like when I grew up in the company, had this uncanny ability to tell these really compelling stories that made me want to go do whatever it is they wanted me to go do. And and I, I wanted to have that skill set, but it occurred to me that two things. One, that I didn't have it, <laughs> and two, that nobody had taught me that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they didn't teach me that in undergrad. They didn't teach me that in business school. You know, Accenture didn't teach that to me. Or, you know, Procter & Gamble didn't teach that to me. Um, so I kind of went on on my own little personal learning journey, and I started interviewing leaders that I, I admired. And, uh, and and pretty soon I branched out of P&G to other companies. And uh, along the way, it occurred to me that if I wanted to know this that badly, maybe other people did as well. And so it kind of became an idea for a book, not just my own selfish personal learning journey. And <laughs> at this point, I'm up to about 300 uh, CEOs, executives, leaders around the world that I've, that I've interviewed 
um, in uh, literally 25 countries around the world. And and by the way, these aren't like some impersonal surveys that I'm sending out. These are like one-on-one, you know, face-to-face, two-hour-long conversations. Not too too different than you and I are having now, though a little longer. But mm-hmm. um, uh, but anyway, th- that of course is what allowed me to to learn what I've learned about storytelling. Because each of those leaders told me probably eight to 12 different stories each. So if you do the math, I've literally documented over 3,000 business stories. And that, of course, has allowed me to reverse engineer my way into what works and what, what doesn't. And mm-hmm. That's what led to the first book. And of course, you know, one good book leads to another kind of thing. And so now I'm, I'm, I'm five into it and six years out of my, my career at P&G. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, 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 it's funny to see how, you know, I love talking with guests about their journey and, and how things evolve. Many of them start out in the, in the corporate world, uh, just like I, I did as well, and how you evolve into where, you know, you're at now and, you know, not having a, you know, stereotypical type of, uh, you know, nine to five type of uh, mm-hmm. corporate job or anything like that. Now I'm definitely uh, deep into the entrepreneurial space. So, I mean, I guess, how did you, I mean, all these leaders, I mean, how did you even go about, you know, beginning to find the ones you wanted to speak to and then reaching out to them, et cetera? Yeah, good question. So here's a statistic that may surprise you. Uh, 93% of the leaders that I asked for an interview said yes, which which shocked me. Because when I started down this journey and, and I got my first publisher and they were like, look, you need to interview a lot more people outside of Procter & Gamble and outside of your personal circle. Because, you know, your friends and colleagues will will spend time with you on the phone, but people you've never heard of, they probably won't. (laughs) Um, And so I expected it to be a lot more difficult than it was. But but here's why I had such a high success rate with getting, you know, perfectly, uh, perfect strangers who are leaders of industries to spend an hour on the phone with me. Um, If I were to call you and say, uh, hey, Ken, I'm, my, I'm, my name's Paul Smith. You don't know me, but I've always wanted to write a book, and so I'm, I'm finally working on one, and uh, you know, I hope someday maybe it'll get published. Uh, would you mind spending an hour of your time with me? <laughs> You'd probably say no. But if instead I said what I actually said to these people, which is, hey, my name's Paul Smith. I'm, I'm under contract with the American Management Association to write a book on leadership that's going to be published next fall, and I'm looking for for strong leaders at successful companies to feature in the book. Would you be willing to interview with me? What would you say to that? <laughs> Much different message. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, there's going to be a book on leadership published, whether you're in it or not. Right. Would you like a shot at being in it? <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that's why. So I waited until I got my contract before I really started uh, calling lots of other people and having success. So that, that, that made it a lot easier. And, and, and to find these people, by the way, like uh, at this point in my career, after 20-some-odd years, uh, and depending on where you are in, in, your, in that age range, you'd be shocked at the number of people that you know. I mean, it, it used to, we used to have a Rolodex, right? But now it's all LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. You, you look at the number of contacts that you have and the contacts of the contacts, and we're, we're, just, we're connected with so many people. And, and the last question, by the way, I would ask in every one of these interviews is, now that you know what I'm looking for, who else do you think I should talk to that might have some interesting stories? Yep. And that would always get me, oh, you should talk to my cousin Bob or my first boss, Sally, or whatever. Yep, yep. So the combination of those things got me as many people as I wanted to talk to. Well, it's interesting. It's one of my uh, all-time favorite quotes, and it's actually I use it as, a, as one of my Mr. Biz tips of the week, is a quote by Steve Jobs, and it's, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. And, exactly. you know, a lot of people are intimidated in the genesis of that story. If you're not familiar and uh, for those who haven't heard me mention it before, and I'll give you the real short version because we only have about a minute left here before we cut the break. But, you know, Steve Jobs, imagine 
he was a, a 12 or 13 year old and and was trying to build some computer this was back way 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 back um pre like personal computer laptop days and he called bill hewlett of hewlett packard mm. to say and he found him in the yellow pages which also dates the story obviously right. um called him up and said hey i'm trying to build x y and z and um do you have some spare parts i could have well, he ends up, Bill Hewlett was so impressed by me, and not only gave him the parts, but he gave him a job during the summer. Um, and that job seems to have worked out fairly well for Mr. For Mr. Steve Jobs. So, um, great lesson in uh, not being afraid and not being fearful. And again, the worst he can say is no, right? So, um, sure. good stuff. All right, so we're going to hit the break here. Um, when we come back, we'll continue talking with Paul Smith. And again, you can find him at leadwithastory.com. He's on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. He's the lead with a story as well. So definitely go out and follow him there. So again, we'll come back. We'll give the Mr. Biz tip of the week. We'll continue talking with Paul Smith, author of The 10 Stories Great Leaders Tell. Business owners have a continually growing to-do list with little time for revenue-producing activities. With Check Off Your List and their experienced team of virtual assistants, you can focus on growing your business. Visit checkoffyourlist.com to learn how Check Off Your List skilled team can handle your day-to-day tasks like social media, bookkeeping, calendar maintenance, and much more. Contact Check Off Your List at checkoffyourlist.com or call 888-262-1249 to see how their virtual assistants can help you live to work rather than work to live. Thank you for being a Mr. Biz Solution subscriber and listening to B2B Radio. Would you like to have your business highlighted in this spot? You can reach our entire subscriber base, all of Mr. Biz Nation, every week and archive for future listeners. We can record your very own spot to highlight your business, and you can also use it anywhere else you want, including your website or social media. If you are interested, please email us at info at MrBizSolutions.com. Don't hesitate, because there are limited spots available. To submit questions to the show, email them to info at MrBizSolutions.com. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz. All right. Welcome back to Mr. Biz Radio. It's time for the Mr. Biz Tip of the Week, and the tip is take the risk. Business is like the UFC. No one goes undefeated. UFC is mixed martial arts for those unfamiliar, but uh, no one, no matter how good you are, at some point you have a bad night and you get beat, and so... Don't be afraid of, of taking that risk. Um, if you want to be successful and wildly successful in life, you're going to have to take some risks. And frankly, you're probably going to fail, um, but that's okay. Um, you, can, you can readjust and uh, you know, uh, change your plan and, and become successful. So don't be afraid to take that risk. That is the Mr. Biz Tip of the Week on Mr. Biz Radio, brought to you by Capital Plus. Capital Plus removes the hassles of balancing cash flow by becoming your full-service credit and collections department. All right, so let's get back into our discussion with uh, Mr. Paul Smith. And so you've written several books about storytelling. What, why did you write this one, is, is specifically the 10 Stories Great Leaders Tell? Yeah, the, the short answer is that I, I realized I probably lacked a little focus in the others, because I think across the first three books that I'd, I'd written, I covered 70 different types of stories that leaders or parents or sales and marketing people need to tell. And I think I included over 250 examples across all three of those first, oh, wow. first books. Yeah, so I would often get people ask me, "Okay, gosh, that's a lot of stories. What are the most important ones?" And I probably gave a different answer every time somebody asked me that question. <laughs> and so, right, so I finally realized, you know, I should probably spend some time thinking about that. And and so so I, I did, and that that became the purpose of this book was, if you're going to start with storytelling, these are the ten stories to start with. Gotcha. Okay. Well, so. 
That's that's like a big tease, Paul. So can yeah. you, can, you, can you give us an example of a couple of them? Yeah, well, I, sh- I should probably t- let me start by giving you the list of what the type, the, the ten types are. Okay, that's probably okay. most helpful to folks. So uh, of the ten, here the first four kind of go together because they're about setting direction for the organization. So it's the first one is where we came from. So that's our founding story. The second one is why we can't stay there. A case for change where we're going, which is a vision story, and how we're going to get there, which is a strategy story. So I think if you can tell those four stories, you're most likely, you're more likely to get your, your organization to go where you want them to go. Mm-hmm. So the next four kind of go together as well, but they're more about who we are as an organization. So that's what we believe, a uh, corporate value story, who we serve, that's a customer story, a story about your customer, what we do for our customers, and that's a classical sales story, and number eight is how we're different from our competitors. So I call that a marketing story because I think marketing is about differentiating yourself from your competitors. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the last two kind of go together as well, and they're, but they're more personal to you, you, the leader. So those are why I lead the way I do, a personal leadership philosophy story. And number 10 is why you should want to work here, you, you being the person you're talking to when you're telling the story. Mm-hmm. So I call that a, a recruiting story, obviously. So. Um, those, I think, are the, the most important 10. Now, you, you could probably add a few or take a few off of that list, but out of all of the stories I've trafficked in, as I went back to write this book, those seem to me to be the most important 10 for any leader to be able to tell. Okay, good stuff, good stuff. And obviously you have a, as you mentioned uh, during the first segment, a large sample size uh, to come up with those 10. I think they seem like you've covered the, the gamut. Um, which one would you say that leaders are worst at telling? Yeah, so uh, so maybe the, uh, the the personal leadership philosophy story, the why I lead the way I do. In fact, I probably let me, you asked for an example. Let me give you an example of that. And it's actually about a guy there. You're in Columbus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there's a, a guy that you may know there named Mike Figliolo. Have you ever heard that name? I have, yes. Okay, so yeah, he's a, a, a local guy there. So he... Um, he was in, uh, went to West Point, so an Army guy. Mm-hmm. So his first leadership experience was uh, leading a platoon of tanks. And their first training exercise out in California was an exercise where there were 400 tanks on one side of the field and 400 on the other side of the field going into a simulated battle. So think of it as like laser tag, but with real, real tanks, <laughs> you know, no real bullets. Yep, yep. And he happened to be leading the first tank on his side of the field. So he sits down with the boss the night before, the commanding officer, and goes through the battle plan, and they have it all mapped out. And the next morning, the exercise starts, and he's in his tank, and they race out onto the field. And he gets to the point where he's got to make a decision to go left or right, and he doesn't know what to do. Like, apparently, the, the real battlefield looks different when you're looking at it through a crack in a hatch going 40 miles an hour and <laughs> yeah. you're shot at. Right? Imagine and, that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Imagine <laughs> that. Then it does in a conference room, right? So he has a choice to make. He can either turn, stop the tank, turn on the light, get out the map, and figure out the right thing to do, which might take 30 seconds, or he can just make a guess. Well, Mike chose option two, and he guessed. He yells out, driver, turn left, you know, with an authoritative voice, but he had no idea if that was the right thing to do. Well, so driver turns left. A few seconds later, the little light on his top of his tank goes off, which means you just got shot by a laser, you're dead. So they pop the hatch, get out, those guys are done for the day. Okay. Well, of course, tank number two turns left right behind him, and their light goes off, same thing. Tank number three, same thing. Well, the folks in tank number four saw three tanks turn left and get shot and virtually killed. So they realized that was a mistake. So they turned right. And then 396 other tanks turned right. They took the high ground and won the exercise. 
So Mike made a mistake. He should have turned right when he turned left. But, but what he learned from that experience was that sometimes it's better to make the wrong decision fast than make the right decision slow. Because in the military, you know, and military and in life and in business, uh, your, your mistakes will get surfaced to you pretty quickly, right? And you can monitor and adjust. But we get stuck in analysis paralysis all the time. And that, that experience taught him to not lead that way. And he shares that story nowadays to let people know that, look, I'm going to be a decisive leader, and I expect that of you too, but I'm going to forgive you if you make a mistake as long as you learn from it. And that, that's an important story, a story like that about your, what formed your core leadership philosophy to other people is an important story for leaders to be able to tell. Yeah, I think it's very important. I mean, that's uh, one of my Mr. Biz tips as well is, um, and I actually have a little humor in it, but it's, you know, to be decisive because the the, the road is full of flattened squirrels that couldn't make a decision. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a pretty visual one right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I, I like mean, it. everyone's seen that unfortunate situation, but, you know, you see the squirrel run out in the middle of the road and do I go? Do I stop? Do I go back? You know, and boom, you're, it's it's too late. So. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's a very important story, and I think it's a very important lesson for people to understand and, and uh, you know, keep in mind as you're going through that. Because, like you said, the overall, I mean, obviously, and he was virtually killed in that situation, but overall, the team won because of his right. de- because of his decisiveness. Right. Imagine if he if he'd stopped and turned the light on, and you had 400 tanks sitting ducks out there waiting for him to make a decision. They'd probably all gotten shot. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So it's better to be decisive and, uh, you know, even if you're wrong, figuring out things um, and getting it all squared away. I think that's very important. So we've only got uh, about a minute left in the segment. So I'm going to throw I'm going to throw a little curveball at you, Paul. Okay. So you've got all this great experience. You've talked with all these amazing leaders. Uh, What advice would you give your 25 year old self? Ooh. You know, I'd, I'd love to be able to tell you, ah, go f- figure out how to be an author sooner and get to because I, I, I did this because I, I love speaking to audiences and teaching and training people. Um, so th- there was a definite career path change that I made in- intentionally. But uh, I think if I'd tried to do this at the age of 25, I'd have been a dismal failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, wh- what on earth would I know about leadership and leadership storytelling and at the age of 25? Sure. I mean, I think I had to live through and be a leader and, and make my own mistakes and lead people and do it wrong and figure out how to get it right. And so I, I, I think I, I might be tempted not to tell me anything. I think I might <laughs> do it worse the next time if I tried to give myself a time. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, experience uh, leads you in the direction you need to go, I think, overall. So good stuff. All right. We're going to hit a break. We'll come back talking with Mr. Paul Smith. Are you frustrated with trying to grow your business? You're not alone because the business growth experts at Tritraction are here to help. TriTraction's proven business systems, marketing, and sales formula has helped many businesses like yours achieve amazing results. Could your company benefit from explosive sales growth and a huge jump in website traffic? Call 800-719-4281 today for a free consultation with the business growth experts at TriTraction. That's 800-719-4281. Systems plus marketing plus sales equals business growth. Thank you for being a Mr. Biz Solutions subscriber and listening to B2B Radio. Would you like to have your business highlighted in this spot? You can reach our entire subscriber base, all of Mr. Biz Nation, every week and archive for future listeners. We can record your very own spot to highlight your business, and you can also use it anywhere else you want, including your website or social media. 
If you are interested, please email us at info at MrBizSolutions.com. Don't hesitate because there are limited spots available. Check out both of Mr. Biz's national best-selling books, Pathway to Profits, and How to Be a Cash Flow Pro on Amazon. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz. All right, welcome back to the show. And this week, as I've mentioned, we're talking with Mr. Paul Smith, who is uh, he's a best-selling author of several different books, but we're talking specifically during this show about the 10 stories that great leaders tell. So with all of that, and again, I should mention, you can find out more on his website, leadwithastory.com. Um, again, he's on LinkedIn and, of course, uh, Facebook and Twitter as well. Follow him there with uh, same thing, Lead With A Story. makes it nice and easy to find him. Um, following me shares a lot of good stuff out there on social media. So, Paul, with all that, um, as we always like to do in this third segment, we like to pick the brain and the expertise, gain some knowledge from the expertise of our guest. Uh, if you would, give us some tips on how we can all be better storytellers. Yeah, so great question. I, I spend most of my professional time uh, doing that. Normally, I have a whole day instead of nine minutes, but we'll do we'll do <laughs> what we can do in nine minutes. Right. So yeah. So first of all, recognize that storytelling is a skill that you can and should learn. You know, it's like um, people assume that storytelling is the kind of thing that you're either born with or you'll never be good at, and, and it's just it's not. It's it's more like like music or art because storytelling is an art. So certainly, there are some people born more with a more of a natural ability. But if you're not one of them and you wanted to learn how to play the guitar, you'd, you'd probably take guitar lessons, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that's the way you do it. So with storytelling, don't just assume that, well, if I'm no good at it, I'm just never going to be good at it, um, you know, which, which leads to tip number two, go find a teacher. Take a class, read a book, watch some videos. Treat it like any other leadership skill that you want to develop. If you wanted to learn to be a better marketer, you'd go read some books on marketing or take some classes on marketing. It should be the same with storytelling. If you'd like to be better at it, find somebody who knows more about it than you and learn from them, okay, as opposed to just assuming you never will. So those are the first two, I guess, and the, the, that's the most important. Um, but once you've kind of made those decisions, uh, some more practical tips to, de to develop and, give and tell better stories. Um, so number three on my list would be uh, pick the right story to tell. And that's far more important than the delivery of the story. And that's unfortunate because most people think that the most important thing about storytelling is figuring out how to deliver it well. What's far more important is picking the right story to tell because you're, you're probably not a professional speaker or a, you know, an actor or something. Mm -hmm. um, people will forgive you for a few mumbles and stutters and stammers. You know, you're not making the right eye contact or don't do the right things with your hands or whatever. They'll forgive you those things. But if you tell them a boring, irrelevant story, even if you deliver it you know, in a way that would make a Shakespearean actor proud, <laughs> they'll never forgive you for wasting their time. So pick the right story to tell, and here's, here's how to do that. Um, start with what your objective is. What, what do you want your audience to think or feel or do as a result of hearing your story? You should be telling stories for a purpose, not just to entertain people. So what do you want them to think, feel, or do? Then... Look in your past or other people's past for an event that is either a success or a failure or a moment of clarity around those three things that you wanted your audience to think, feel, or do. In other words, a time you've seen somebody do that thing really, really well, a success, really, really poorly, a failure, because we learn more from our failures than our successes, mm -hmm. or the moment that you had that aha experience, you were like, oh, 
that's a really important thing for me to think, feel, or do, right? <laughs> because whatever that thing that happened to you that gave you that realization, if you tell somebody else about that in the form of a story, they'll have the same aha experience that you did. So pick the right story, and that's how you pick it, by asking yourself, what do I want them to think, feel, or do, and then go look for a success, failure, a moment of clarity. Does that all make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So uh, number four, uh, structure the story well. The big, one of the biggest mistakes people make when trying to tell a story is they just start talking, and they have no plan for how they're going to get from the beginning to the middle to the end of the story. And that just results in a rambling run-on mess. So um, I've, I've thought about this a lot, and I think there are eight questions that your story needs to answer and a specific order in which to answer them in order for you to have the most logical, compelling, engaging story, but also a short one. Like you really need these stories to be in two to three to four minutes, not five or 10 or 15 minutes. That's just, that's not an appropriate business story. Mm -hmm. So here, I'm going to give you the eight questions. Okay. You, are. you ready? Yep. All right. Number one, why should I bother listening to the story? Right. You've got to give them a reason to listen to the story in the first 10 or 15 seconds, or they won't. Okay. Or they, they might not. Mm -hmm. okay, so once you've answered that question, you've earned the right to answer the next five questions. Here they are. Where and when did it take place? Who's the main character and what did they want? What was the problem or opportunity they ran into? What did they do about it? And how did it turn out in the end? Right? That should sound like and feel like the natural flow of a story. And of course it is. But if you're doing the math, that's only six. So we still have two more questions. The seventh and eighth are, what did you learn from the story? And what do you think I should do now? I, the person listening. So this is your chance to make a recommendation. Uh, to them to what to go new, not do what to go do now that you told them the story. So, so if you notice what you've done there, you've started off by giving them a reason to listen to your story. The next five questions, you're telling them the story, and in seven or eight, you're helping them learn the right lesson from the story, and then go go do the right action, take the right action that's going to benefit them, you know, or, or or the company's goals. So those are the eight questions I think you need to answer in order to have the right structure. So. I think that gives me time for, for one last one, uh, which I would say is tip number five would be include a surprise ending in your story. And I know that sounds weird because you think, well, this is a business story, right? This isn't like Hollywood. Well, well fine. But a, a surprise is, is helpful not just because it makes your story more interesting, even though it does. It literally makes your story more memorable. Like a, a surprise, when your audience gets surprised, it releases a little bit of adrenaline in their system that literally, physiologically, makes the memory consolidation process faster and more efficient. It will literally make your, uh, physiologically, make your story more memorable to the audience if you have a surprise in it. And the end is the best place to put it. So, uh, and there's a very simple technique for creating a surprise, and I'm going I'm to illustrate it for you right now. Okay. So there's a, a young boy named James, nine-year-old kid. He's in the kitchen with his mom and his mom's sister. While mom and auntie are having a cup of tea, James is standing at the stove watching the tea kettle boil. And he's just fascinated with it, right? He's watching the jet of steam come out of the kettle, and he's got a spoon. He holds it up there and watches as the, the steam condenses into little drops of water and trickle down the spoon into a cup. And he's just watching the cycle go over and over and over again, just fascinated with it. Well, eventually, his mother just gets tired of him or frustrated with him, and she kind of barks at him. She's like, James. Go read a book, ride your bike, do your homework. Like, go do something. Aren't you ashamed of yourself just wasting your time like this? Well, fortunately, young James was undaunted by his mother's admonition because 20 years later, 
at the age of 29, and in the year 1765, James Watt reinvented the steam engine, ushering in the Industrial Revolution that we, of course, all benefit from today, and all based on a fascination with steam that he developed at the age of nine in his mother's kitchen. Now, now the first time I read that story, Ken, was in a book uh, titled James Watt, written in 1905 by Andrew Carnegie. I mean, it was a book, it was a biography of the inventor of the steam engine. So, of course, it was no surprise to me that the story in Chapter 1 about nine-year-old James was about James Watt, inventor of the steam engine. But to you and your listeners, unless you're a history buff, my guess is you found it surprising at the end when you found out that story was about James Watt, inventor sure. of the steam engine, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Now, ask yourself this. Why was it a surprise? And the answer is simple, because I didn't tell you his last name. Right? I, I took one vital piece of information that belonged at the beginning of the story, his last name. Remember, that was question number three in my list. Mm -hmm. Who's the main character? You're supposed to tell the audience who the main character is at the beginning of the story. But I didn't. I told you half of his name. I kept the other half and didn't give it to you until the end of the story. Presto, surprise ending. And you can do that with almost any story using that same technique. Take one vital piece of information that belongs at the beginning and don't give it to the audience until the end. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it. And I was on the edge of my seat. I'm not lying. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the perfect, that's the point. <laughs> well, this is really good stuff, Paul. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely, I've taken notes, copious amounts of notes here. So really appreciate you coming on the show. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me on. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Again, leadwiththestory.com, Facebook and Twitter, same thing, Lead With The Story. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks to our show sponsor, Capital Plus. Have a great week, and don't forget, cash flow is king. This has been Mr. Biz Radio, sponsored by Capital Plus, a division of United Capital Funding Group. Capital Plus is your trusted resource for commercial financing and accounts receivable management. They've been providing working capital to businesses nationally for more than 27 years. Learn more about them at capplus.com forward slash Mr. Biz. Or to schedule a free consultation, call 855-522-3951.